Before we get started with the Tim Pool Daily Show podcast, make sure you check out TimCast IRL on all podcast platforms. It's a show where I bring on guests from across the political spectrum and various fields to discuss cultural and political issues and the breaking news of the day. You can watch the show live Monday through Friday at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash TimCast IRL or find the show on all podcast platforms. Again, TimCast IRL. That being said, on to the show. Over the past day or so, Donald Trump has been tweeting videos of individuals explaining how they witnessed serious impropriety, irregularities, or even outright fraud at various hearings held by Republicans. Trump, of course, has been tweeting quite a bit about voter fraud. Now, a lot of people were confused, angry, upset, or just let down when Bill Barr came out and it was reported that Bill Barr said there is no evidence of widespread voter fraud. But in fact, that is not what Bill Barr said. What he actually said was, to date, we have not seen fraud on a scale that would have changed the outcome of the election. And from that, Bill Barr is actually saying quite a few things. He's saying, to date, which means we're still investigating. He said, to change the outcome of of the election, meaning we've seen fraud. And in fact, Donald Trump tweeted out a video of several people who are apparently Biden supporters offering up a cash raffle in exchange for proof that you voted, which, well, according to some experts, it is absolutely illegal. And other people are saying, no, no, it's actually not illegal. But I think this actually falls into the it's illegal category. You can't tell someone if you vote, I will give you cash or the opportunity to receive a cash prize. That's effectively buying votes. And the reason it's illegal is because you can argue, well, I wasn't telling them who to vote for. It doesn't matter. You know why? Because people would target certain areas, districts or communities, which is exactly what we're seeing right now. I believe it's entirely possible that Bill Barr is still looking. There's some anger from conservatives saying the DOJ needs to do a lot more. Trump is certainly saying it. I don't think Bill Barr's statement is anything other than the facts that he has. He's not saying there's no evidence. He's saying so far we haven't seen evidence that would change the outcome of the election. Well, allow me to present some of those who would contest that statement, because Bill Barr, you probably need to look at some more of the evidence, notably what's going on with Donald Trump and this tweet, which has 27,000 retweets. And I actually want to break down. You see, this story of people buying votes through illegal raffles or cash prizes or even outright tell us you voted, we'll give you cash. That actually happened. It happened in many different states and many states where, well, there were key swing states that Trump needed to win. This could potentially be widespread fraud that could have changed the outcome of the election. I'm not saying it did. I'm just saying we need to look at this and perhaps I can be a little bit optimistic based on what Bill Barr said. Maybe he will investigate this. I got to tell you, though, I'm sorry. I'm a bit of a pessimist on this one. I don't know where this is going to go, but I'm not entirely confident it's going to go anywhere where we, we figure out what happened and we see these people actually get in trouble or uh, be charged for what, it, what looks like overt <laughs> voter fraud. Well, let's start by taking a look at this tweet from Donald Trump and the story he tweeted from the Epic Times. Before we do, however, make sure you subscribe to youtube.com slash Timcast IRL. We do the show Monday through Friday live at 8 p.m. It's a different show from this one. I have guests on. We talk about the issues and different you know, political stuff. It's also on all the different podcast platforms. So check it out. But also don't forget to subscribe. Hit the notification bell. Hit that like button. And let's let's read this. Uh, uh, let's let, let me play some audio real quick for you from this tweet. So you know exactly what they're saying. 
$25 gift cards to raffle off. So that's a lot of money cash here. Um, we have um, also four $100 gift cards to give away. Um, so again, you want to make sure you get out here to vote. And there it is. Make sure you get out here to vote. We've got a $100 gift card to give away. The tweet Trump is quoting is from the Epic Times. They say the Nevada Native Vote Project posted photos on Facebook on Election Day of smiling voters holding $25 gift cards after handing over their ballots. The posts have since been deleted, but not before they were archived. Now, I know a lot of people get tired of me pointing out NewsGuard, but Epic Times is considered by NewsGuard to be red exclamation point saying proceed with caution. They do not adhere to several basic journalistic standards, but they do say the Epic Times does not repeatedly publish false content. And that's one of the most important things. But but regardless of whether or not it's being you know certified as a factual news outlet, I actually did the fact checking and this this story is completely legit. In fact, it was covered previously in part by just the news. Nevada voting raffle targeting Native Americans opens door to Trump legal challenge. Groups site offered chance to win hundreds of dollars in gift cards to those who had proof they voted. Trump campaign argues it was an illegal incentive. I believe based on reading uh, some of these stories already that, uh, yeah, it does seem to have been outright illegal incentivizing with cash people to vote. The reason why, like I said, you can't do this. Imagine people would go to an area that's like in Philadelphia, Democrat plus 80. You want to swing a swing state? You go into an area where you know 80% of the people are Democrats and you say, if you vote, I'll give you cash. And some of these states did just that. We're not talking about raffles. In one instance, according to the Epic Times, they straight up said 20 bucks if you send a picture of you having voted. That's it. Guaranteed cash in exchange for you voting. That's against the law as far as I can tell. Now, I can fact check a lot of what Epic Times is saying. And, and, and I'll show you just the news. They did this report a couple of weeks ago, but Epic Times now is showing us it affected several states in the 2020 election. I'm not entirely convinced we're going to get a deep dive by the federal authorities. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm sorry. Call me pessimistic. Call me jaded. When was the last time we saw, when, when you see all this evidence coming out, the feds actually go in and do something about it? When was the last time we actually saw one of these top level politicians who clearly broke the law? get some kind of penalty in any capacity. I mean, Hillary Clinton, she had her. Uh, so look, she effectively deleted 30,000 emails. They were public record. You can't legally do that. Nothing happens to any of these people. So forgive me if I'm a bit pessimistic, but here's the story. Epic Times reports the Nevada Native Vote Project posted photos on Facebook on Election Day of smiling voters holding $25 gift cards after handing over their ballots. The posts have since been deleted, but not before they were archived. The removal may have had something to do with the U.S. Criminal Code, two distinct sections of which impose fines and prison sentences sentences for, quote, whoever makes or offers to make an expenditure to any person either to vote or withhold his vote. And there it is. Not to vote for a certain person, literally just to vote. And let me show you. We got the archives from archive.is. We can clearly see an image of a man. He appears to be smiling, but only with his eyes because he's wearing a mask. We can't see it. And he's holding up what appears to be a visa gift card from the Nevada Native Vote Project. When you see them outright saying you can win gift cards, then posting a photo of them doing it, 
it would appear that they broke the law. And how many votes did they net by breaking the law, considering that Nevada's vote margin was very, very slim? Now, people will say there's no way they got 10 or 20,000 votes for Joe Biden. But think about this across the state. Epic Times notes that this community is about 60,000 people and they weren't giving everyone money. They were saying you could win money. Go vote. Go vote. They say offering gift cards for ballots wasn't the only way the Nevada Native Vote Project enticed people to vote. In a video that could be seen on Facebook on November 24th, Bethany Sam, the public relations officer for the Reno Sparks Indian Colony, urged people to come out and vote by offering some extra swag that we can give out. Quote, we have $25 gift cards to raffle off. So it's a lot of money in cash here, Sam said, adding that voters need only send a photo of themselves at the polling place to enter. We have also four $100 gift cards to give away. So again, you want to make sure you get out here and vote. And then we have four $250 gift cards to raffle. And our grand prize is going to be a $500 Visa gift card to the person or native voters who came out early this week for early voting. I'm going to stop right now and say it for the 50 billionth time. I am not saying this proves there is enough evidence to suggest Trump lost the election due to widespread fraud. I think there are reasons to criticize Bill Barr, but I think he's being honest when he says to date, we have not seen evidence that would have changed the outcome of the election. That doesn't mean there's no fraud. It actually kind of implies there is fraud. And he says to date, meaning he's still investigating. But it's a fair assessment. I know a lot of people think he's going to come out and say, I saw all of this. It proves it. Listen, Bill Barr may have investigated this. They may have found, yep, people broke the law, refer it to prosecution, but it was how many votes? How many people went out to vote? Hard to know for sure. Can you say that this is hard evidence? It's hard to say. And Bill Barr seems to err on the side of, I can't. Now, I know a lot of people really don't like Bill Barr as of late, but he did appoint John Durham as a special counsel, meaning Joe Biden can't fire him. I mean, he can try. If Joe Biden becomes president on January 20, 20th, which I, 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 again, I've said is over, overwhelmingly astronomically likely, 99.99% or whatever, that's, that's how I feel. Trump may pull off something. I give him that chance. But if Joe Biden becomes president, he's not going to be able to get rid of Durham. That means the Russia origins probe will continue. And it's going to be a whole lot like Russiagate just in the other direction. But this is Bill Barr doing something that I think actually is good. It's protecting the investigation, making sure it doesn't go away. So in this capacity, I don't know what else you do. If you don't trust Barr, if you don't trust any of these people, then who do you trust? Maybe Bill Barr is in on it. I don't know. I don't think so. I had a conversation with Ben Dominic the other day on the IRL podcast, and he was saying he made a really good point that with, without Bill Barr, Trump would not have been able to do anything in his first term because Bill Barr just shuttered the ridiculous Russia probe, essentially. And there was no evidence. It was it was a waste of time. And Barr did help out Trump in many ways. I just think Bill Barr's got you can criticize him for a lot of the stuff in the past that, you know, people rag on him over stuff. Having, I, I don't want to bring it up. YouTube's going to get mad at me. But, you know, defending law enforcement agents who probably did really, really horrifying things, to put it mildly. But Bill Barr, I think, is not going to come out and just blindly support Trump the way the left claims he is. It's just not going to happen. And this is evidence. Now they're saying, oh, look what Bill Barr said. It. No, 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 no. You don't get to rag on Bill Barr, claim he's lying, and now claim he's saying something he didn't even say. He didn't say there's no evidence and we're done. He says to date. So looking at all this, and let me go down because you, you, you've seen this. They mentioned endorsing the Biden-Harris ticket. These individuals were seen, uh, the, the, the Indian colony had endorsed Biden, uh, Biden and Harris. Quote, I think the Biden-Harris campaign is supporting tribal sovereignty. So look, 
this was basically Democrats and Biden supporters. Epic Times says there's an estimated 60,000 registered Native American voters in Nevada. In a video filmed on Election Day, Sam encouraged them to vote because Nevada is a swing state. Quote, I also want you to know that we do have a raffle going on, whether you're early voting or you vote today during the election, Sam said, instructing people to enter the drawing by sending her a screenshot of their cast ballot from a ballot tracking website or a photo of themselves with an I voted sticker. Some people were straight up just given gift cards if they voted. It wasn't even a raffle. Epic Times goes on to note many other states, Michigan. They say the Lockvo Desert Band of Lake Superior Chippewa Indians in Michigan offered $20 gas cards to anyone who sent pictures of themselves voting. The group also didn't immediately respond to a request sent to its Facebook page. Quote, at this time, no evidence of widespread illegal voting activity has been reported in Michigan. What does that mean, widespread? And why do they keep using it? If we've got people setting up across the country, is it, is it widespread when you have Michigan, Nevada, Arizona, Washington, Idaho, Texas, Ohio, where they're all doing things like that? Is that not widespread? I have to wonder, you know, maybe you guys saw that Project Veritas put out these leaked CNN conversations. What you learn from listening to these private conversations is that most of these people are really, really dumb. Maybe the problem is that people like you and me, you know, you, you all watching this video and people like me reading the news, we're paying attention and extremely active. Is Bill Barr? Maybe he's not. Maybe Bill Barr hasn't seen that all of this stuff affected all of these states, or maybe he has. And maybe he says, listen, in all of these states, they maybe have gotten 100 to 200 votes, maybe a thousand votes, but it wouldn't have changed the results. And that's a fair point, And it's entirely possible. But it does need to be brought up. It does need to be prosecuted. And I hope something ends up coming of this. So check this out. I mentioned in Michigan, they say in Arizona, Corazon, Arizona promoted a cash raffle for people who sent in a picture of themselves with their ballot. People, this is all you have to do to enter the raffle. Post a ballot selfie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We get it. Washington, a video from Washington shows a native vote team in front of a Biden sign promoting a voter raffle for a $200 gift card and other prizes. In Idaho, the Nez Perce tribe of Idaho raffled off gift cards worth $50 to $500, a smart TV, an iPad for people who cast an absentee ballot, ballot, voted or registered to vote. The tribe didn't immediately respond to an email request for comment. In Texas, the American Indians in Texas on Facebook raffled off gift cards worth up to $250 and a 58-inch television. In Ohio, Councilwoman Shayla Davis of Garfield Heights, Ohio, posted on Facebook offering $25 gas gift cards, T-shirts and masks for people who come out to vote. Davis didn't immediately respond to a request for comment. Now, some people might say the Epic Times is biased. It's a bad source. Just the news is considered a good source. And I'm not trying to, uh, as I often say, impugn the honor of Epic Times. I'm just trying to point out this is easily verifiable. Just the News covered this story on November 20th. And I believe even before then it was updated on the 20th. Now, I'm not one to usually go back and pull up old stories, but the significance here is that Trump is tweeting this out and showing you people doing this. So when you hear people say there's no evidence, now the narrative is changing. When they say there's no evidence, they're wrong, outright wrong. There's a video of a woman saying you can get cash if you vote. Okay, that's you, you can't do that, right? As, as my understanding, it's illegal. But now the media narrative has been shifting. They're no longer saying without evidence. Now they're just saying baseless or unproven. Well, now it's not even unproven. Now, the claim that there is evidence of voter fraud is a fact. I mean, there's videos of it. 
We can talk about weird mathematical anomalies. We can talk about database lists. We can, but we can show you a video where they're like, we will give you money if you vote. Well, there you go. Okay. I mean, not to mention we already had evidence of ballot harvesting from Project Veritas. They all claim is just fake news. Now it's videos of apparent voter fraud to be as reasonable and fair as I can possibly be. Apparent voter fraud, people bragging about breaking the law, or in this instance, this woman's clearly breaking the law. I mean, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a prosecutor. It looks to me like she's clearly breaking the law. Here's what Bill Barr said. Here's the news if you missed it. Attorney General Bill Barr says no evidence of widespread fraud in the 2020 election, but that's not the actual quote. To date, we have not seen fraud on a scale that could have affected a different outcome in the election, Barr told the AP. I got to stop. I got to stop. I got to stop. I'm seeing this. And I'm reading about these these court cases Donald Trump is filing where they say, you know, I see that you're challenging 3000 ballots that wouldn't change the results of the election anyway. So dismissed. I see stuff like that. I'm like, but but hold on. If Trump's suing in a state where Biden's margin is like 10,000 or 20,000 and they've got four or five lawsuits targeting different suits and they all get dismissed because individually they aren't enough. No, 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 no. If we if we actually win on the merits, then these votes get thrown out. Trump wins after several lawsuits. That's the craziest thing to me. Bill Barr, in my opinion, should have said, we've seen fraud. We do not believe it would have affected the, uh, the, re- the results of the election or, cha- or cause a different outcome. We will absolutely be continuing our investigation and prosecuting. This is kind of a, you know, I'll put it, I'll put it this way, a precise statement. But I also think you got to be more clear. It's precise in the sense that he chose his words carefully to avoid, uh, I don't know, getting dragged or something. But all he did was create vague, vague. All, all it is is ultimately, for most people, it's exactly what they want to hear. That's why I say precise. I'm not. I, it's actually rather vague. But in terms of the words he chose, it serves a perfect function. To the left, he's saying no fraud, case dismissed. And to everybody else, he's saying we're still investigating and there is fraud. Okay. This doesn't help anybody. And I, I, I don't know, maybe he doesn't want to ruffle feathers and cause massive outrage or whatever. But what I fear is that because of these statements and things like this, we are not going to get an actual hard investigation into what's going on with these uh, with, with, with our elections. I had a comment the other day in the IRL podcast, a, a super chat, you know, user user comments. And they said they're from Central America. They're from uh, Latin South America. And that if the U.S. doesn't do something now and this becomes acceptable, then the U.S. will never have a fair election again. And they said, take it from me. I live down in these countries and I completely agree. Universal mail-in voting. No excuse mail-in voting. There's no chain of custody. You don't know where the ballots come from. They don't allow you to observe the ballots. All of this stuff cannot be accepted. And if it is, then it's normalized. When Trump sued in Pennsylvania and lost several times, yeah, went to appeal and loses, they said, we weren't allowed to have observers watching the, the votes be counted. And the judge said, too bad. Pennsylvania election code says, so long as there's an observer there and you were in the building, we're covered. But observers are supposed to actually observe the, the, the vote. There's a, a, a photo going viral of two people holding up a vote in Florida and pointing to a hanging chad. And there's a question being risen by uh, being brought up by many conservatives saying, what happened to this? This was how we observe the votes. Now, judges are literally saying, so long as you're sleeping in a, with a dunce cap in the corner of the room, that's observing the vote. No, it isn't. We cannot allow this. Then you got the lawsuit from Sean Parnell, which I believe is now going to the Supreme Court, where 
no excuse mail-in voting in Pennsylvania violates the Pennsylvania Constitution, but they're going to allow it. The PA Supreme Court said on narrow grounds, you were too late. Case dismissed with prejudice. You can't bring it back up. They can't sue again. So they're going to appeal to the Supreme Court. We'll see how that plays out. But that's insane to me. How can we see all of this evidence, whether it's enough to have changed the outcome of the election and ignore it? To be, uh, look, I say it a lot, to be fair. In Pennsylvania, they weren't allowing Trump's uh, supporters, Republicans in Michigan, in, in many of these states where Biden needed to win. Republican observers were not allowed to actually observe the votes being counted. And now we're supposed to trust these things. It's really interesting. In the Michigan hearing, evidentiary hearing on fraud, one guy brought up all of this could have been solved if they just had Republican poll workers. That's it. Why? Why not? It's ridiculous, isn't it? In one of the videos that Trump tweeted out following this one about the, the vote buying, a woman said that uh, I believe this was in Michigan when she was watching them count votes. So there was one vote that was they checked off both Biden and the Green Party. It's disqualified. You can't vote for both. And so what the, the, the poll the, the, uh, tabulator said was, I'm going to give this to Biden. The witness said, I challenged this saying, you can't do that. It's a disqualified vote. And the supervisor came in and said, get out of here. You can't do this. She said there were numerous instances where they'd be like, I can't tell who this vote is for. So I'm going to mark it down as Biden. And then it just was. Maybe Trump didn't win because people hate him. I can understand that. I talked to my friends. They don't know anything about this stuff. They hate cancel culture. They hate the wokeness, but they don't know what's going on. And they think Trump is causing it. I know you might gasp. It's true. I'm not saying that three people I know represent everybody. I'm saying I know people who just really don't get it. I know people who don't know anything about politics and we're like, Biden's the answer. I'm like, Did, weren't you upset with politics a little while ago protesting? You're going to vote for the guy who created all those laws. They just don't get it. I can believe it. But what I'm saying is instead of sitting here saying Trump won, Trump won over and over again, which look, by all means, you can say it if you want. The path towards an actual Trump you know, turnaround in this case is to say, here's evidence of fraud. Here's evidence of fraud. Here's evidence of fraud. There's a, there's a website. It's called, um, I forgot, it's, it's, it's a YouTube, like, uh, uh, they, they categorize YouTube channels, a transparency tube, that's what it's called. And they have one category about voter fraud, and they say supporting, opposing, and other. And you don't know what's really funny? All of my channels, they're in every category. Some, uh, Timcast IRL supports Trump's claims. Uh, Timcast is other, doesn't support or oppose. And then, you know, Timcast News opposes. It's, it's the most ridiculous thing. It's, they're, they're trying to quantify it, but the issue is, there is fraud. There's always fraud. I think it's fair to say there's always some kind of fraud because it's a massive country with a lot of people. We have evidence of widespread fraud. We don't know if it changed the results of the election. Other is the best position to be in. You want to convince someone that there was that we need to investigate the fraud and you're hoping it'll help Trump? Start from the beginning. Hey, take a look at this stuff from the Voter Integrity Project, where they say they found all these names. Well, that's not enough to change the election. I didn't say that. I just said, take a look at it and let's figure out what this is, right? No reason to deny that. Maybe maybe it doesn't mean anything. Maybe Trump didn't win. Let's start with the evidence because the evidence will lead us where we need to be. And maybe Joe Biden won and maybe he didn't. But the best place is just follow the evidence. You believe in science, right? There's gonna be many leftists who don't want to hear it, who won't believe it. Instead of going to them and saying, look, I've seen the Facebook fights. People are like, Trump won. You're just too stupid. You don't know. Or if only you read the evidence, a lot of anger. 
And then the Biden people are like, give up. You've lost copium. You're coping, blah, blah, blah. My response to these people is often like, y'all are both on the same level. Take a look at this news story. How do you deny breaking news? Here's a video of a woman saying, I'll give you cash if you come and vote. And that was, well, okay, that video was, you can win cash if you prove you voted. You've got the one where they're offering up the gift cards. You can't deny it. Oh, well, that wasn't enough fraud to change the election. So you admit there's fraud now. You see how you explain to people there's fraud. We got a video of it. What are they going to say? It, it never happened. Well, I guess, well, that's not really fraud. It's just, you know, um, I don't know. No, it happened. It's been reported on by credible sources. And we've been tracking things like this. But let me show you where, where, where we're at right now. Chris Krebs, he's a guy who got fired. He says, the transition starts now. And as a reminder, still no evidence that election systems and votes were manipulated. All Americans should have confidence in the security of their vote. But the disinfo likely won't stop. We keep on the lookout and don't fall for it. We are Perseus. Oh, geez. Do you know what that, that reference is? It's because Sidney Powell said she's going to release the Kraken. And everybody said, release the Kraken. And anybody who knows anything about the mythology or has just watched the movie, you know, uh, <laughs> have you seen, which one is it? Uh, Wrath of the Titans. And then what's the other one? I don't know. But basically in the movie and in the, in the, in the, in the mythology, the Kraken is summoned and Perseus uses the head of Medusa to defeat the Kraken. Okay. So we are Perseus. We're going to defeat the Kraken. Yeah. 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 What is we are Perseus? Chris Krebs says, for the record, anyone who describes their side of any conflict as the Kraken clearly hasn't seen enough movies. The Kraken always loses, comes off as scary at first, of course, but always loses. Yeah. 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 Except, uh, wasn't the Kraken also in Pirates of the Caribbean? The Kraken did kill Captain Jack Sparrow. So there's always that. Whatever that means. I don't know. Analogies. It's just so silly. Well, Matt Brainerd of the Voter Integrity Project said, Chris, do you have a minute? And then we see Jack Posobiec showing a stuntman with fire all around him. Yes, yes, yes. I get it. Matt Brainerd appeared on Lou Dobbs. Illegal votes. Former Real, Tr- Real Donald Trump data strategist Matt Brainerd discovers thousands of illegally cast mail-in ballots and hands over evidence of electoral fraud to the FBI. In fact, Matt Brainerd is testifying as to the evidence he discovered. I am not saying it proves that Donald Trump actually won the election. I don't know. But the evidence exists, and we need to investigate. The biggest challenge we face right now is that following this election, we have what? A couple weeks to do a large-scale investigation of hundreds of millions of ballots, 150 million votes across all these different states with all these different agencies? It's not physically possible. So what do we do? I don't know. Perhaps we need a percentage failure rate that causes like a, a, a tripwire, a, a circuit breaker, where the election has to be contingent or, or, or you know, go to, go to the House delegates if a certain number of errors or, or, or anomalies are detected at a certain percentage. Not necessarily to say that I, I don't look, I'll put it this way. We're never going to have the FBI. They don't have the manpower to investigate every county, every precinct, every voting machine. It's not possible. It is absolutely not possible. I also personally don't believe there's a grand conspiracy. I don't. I think it's a standalone complex. What that means is a bunch of people acting in concerts to help Joe Biden win and engaging in illegal activity or impropriety. You can call that widespread fraud. I believe it absolutely plays a role in this, but I'm not saying it changed the results. I just don't know. I have not seen any evidence. Isn't it funny that Bill Barr says this and it's all of a sudden everyone's screaming, but I could say the same thing to date. 
I personally, Tim Pool, have not seen evidence of wide scale voter fraud that would have changed the outcome of the election. However, I have seen tons of evidence of overt fraud that needs to be prosecuted. And starting from there and with evidence like what we've seen from Matt Brainerd, we should absolutely be investigating because the possibility it happened. It's actually there's actually a strong possibility. Bill Barr hasn't seen the evidence yet because it's not possible for the FBI to do that investigation. But I'd like to present to you one tidbit that I find particularly interesting. Eric Cunningham on Twitter, not entirely familiar. I saw some journalist. Uh, it's a App State alumni, founder of Elections Daily, says, looks like Trump had the best performance in New York City of any Republican since 2004. And if you disregard the 9-11 factor, 1992, uh, and if you disregard 9-11, then it's 1992. And the most raw votes of any NYC Republican since 84. Okay, check this out. In 2020, Trump got 22 percent of uh, of of Republican of, of the vote in New York City. Republicans got it. You go back to 2004, it was 24 percent. But of course, 9-11 played a huge role in this. Going back, 1992 would have been the only other time. In 1998, it was 32 percent. And 84 was the landslide, was the, was the big landslide year, I believe. 88 was, uh, was H.W. Bush. So you mean to tell me Trump dramatically improved his margins in New York City, the bluest of the blue. He got some of the best numbers we've seen in 16 years. Yet in the key swing state cities, Trump's ratio was absurdly, absurdly diminished. Okay, let me put it this way. Look at these big bumps where Joe Biden's getting 90 to 95 percent of these data dumps. Of, uh, you, you can see this graph showing that Trump and Biden are fairly equal. There's some jumps for Biden, some jumps for Trump. They're, they're going up, but Trump is going up slightly faster than Joe Biden. You can see when there's a jump, it's usually even right here. There's a small jump for Biden, a small jump for Trump, but Trump is slowly trending upwards. Both both uh, Biden and Trump sort of even out as the counts are coming in. Then all of a sudden, for some reason, boom, one big data blast. And it's like 90 plus percent for Joe Biden. But in New York City, bluest of the blue, a state that doesn't matter. It's not a swing state. It's going to go Democrat. Trump improved by five points over the previous election. Take a look at this. In 2016, Trump got 17 percent. 2020 got 22 percent. You mean to tell me that Trump improved five percent in New York City, but where it mattered in these big cities, in these swing states, it didn't happen? That to me is just odd. I'm not saying it's evidence of you know, of a widespread conspiracy or anything like that. I'm just saying it's a statistical anomaly that should be included in an investigation as we as we look into it's probable cause. It, It makes me question how it is a man like Joe Biden, who didn't campaign, beat Barack Obama. Simple answer is people hate Trump that much. Politics became pop culture and people were voting against Trump. But man, I voted for for Barack Obama. I voted for Barack Obama in 2008, and this time I voted for Trump for much the same reasons, ending the wars and all that stuff. Trump is one of the first president presidents in like 150 years or something to gain votes and lose reelection. I think Trump might be the first president in history to have complete down ballot success, winning state level legislatures, winning House seats and defending the, 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 the upper chamber of, the, of, of Congress, but still losing that's remarkable. Makes me question everything. But I'm not saying I know. I'm not saying I, I agree with Trump. I'm saying I would like to see an investigation. I'm not convinced we're going to get one. And that's the scary thing. 
because now people are already questioning their questioning the Republicans saying if this, this is what we saw with it was Ronald McDaniel. They said, if this is rigged, why bother voting in Georgia? Yes. Throwing it back to that comment from IRL where the guy said, if you accept this now, it will be here forever. I refuse to accept this. I'm not saying Trump won, but I'm saying we better have a hard and serious investigation. I think Donald Trump should appoint a special counsel to investigate the results of this election so that Joe Biden cannot fire this person and they investigate for the next two, three years, however, however long it takes, and they can give us a definitive answer. And I absolutely would would prefer if he comes out and says, no, there was not widespread fraud that shifted the results. Our elections are secure. You're safe. The American people had their voice heard. I would love to hear that. It would make me feel better about everything, because the last thing I want to hear is them coming out and saying we've proven it. The election was a scam. That would be a nightmare scenario. But I'm not. But it's irrelevant. All that needs to happen is special counsel investigate the election, give it a couple years, exp- spare no expense. We went through Russiagate. We can go through this and 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 audit hard audit forensic analysis. We need secure elections and the confidence of the American people in knowing it's legit. I'll leave it there. The next segment, actually, uh, yes, I'll I'll tell you this. The next segment's going to be at 6 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast IRL. That's right. I'm no longer going to be doing the 6 p.m. segments on Timcast News. I have three channels. But also make sure to check out at 8 p.m. live, youtube.com slash Timcast IRL, where we do the live podcast show Monday through Friday at 8 p.m. I'm going to be focusing a lot more of my time on, on that show putting more energy into segments into that so that I can free up more time during the day so I can actually grow the business beyond just me, hiring more people, doing more content, producing cultural content. So stick around. Thanks for hanging out. And I will see you all tonight at 8 p.m. live, youtube.com slash Timcast IRL. CNN has called the cops on Project Veritas. You may have seen the news. James O'Keefe live streamed a morning 9 a.m. editorial call from CNN and said that they were going to begin releasing audio tapes they've recorded for months of CNN's 9 a.m. editorial meetings. Well, in response to this, CNN said that this is apparently a violation of the law and referring it to law enforcement. That may not, I I don't believe that's true. I think James O'Keefe knows what he's doing and he has good lawyers who planned everything out, but we'll talk about it. But Donald Trump calls it suppression media Because in the audio, you can hear them saying, you know, we can't cover Trump. We can't give him a platform. You can hear things where they say, like, say things like, we got to go after Lindsey Graham. We can't let him, you know, we got to, he deserves this. CNN, literally just Democrat news. And look, we've only got a couple of audio releases from Project Veritas. But uh, so far, it paints a really obvious picture. You know, whenever you see stuff like this, I know a lot of people thought there was going to be some mustache twirling secret audio. Maybe there is. Veritas hasn't released everything. But usually it's just really dumb people saying really dumb things. The one thing you discover when you get to hear these calls, because I've been in editorial calls, is that these people are really dumb. And there's a, a case in point. Tucker Carlson did a segment the other night where he talked about a CNN employee having nothing to do with Project Veritas. Well, CNN apparently doesn't know any, like didn't even watch these videos and just said, Tucker and James, you ID'd the wrong person. Tucker Carlson responds saying, what are you talking about? I have nothing to do with this story. We, we, we talked, we showed a video of him speaking. Then you get the Daily Beast, Q leftist, progressive, whatever trash media. And they're like, 
James O'Keefe secretly reveals that Tucker Carlson's a racist. While the calls reveal that they were calling Tucker Carlson a racist. The funny thing is, though, the story from the Daily Beast goes on to say that CNN called out Tucker Carlson for falsely IDing this guy or whatever. But they literally have the video segment from Tucker Carlson where he doesn't mention Project Veritas. He shows a video of a guy from CNN. Welcome to the stupidity of today's modern media. CNN, who should be doing serious investigations, is just reality TV trash saying, well, we're calling the cops on you because you, 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 it's illegal. Undercover journalism is legit journalism. Now, it may be that James O'Keefe did incorrectly identify an individual. And if that's true, I'd well, regardless, I'd like to see James issue some kind of statement as to whether he was right or wrong, because CNN has made that accusation. And if he's wrong, I, I would be absolutely shocked if James didn't say, oh, we made a mistake on that one. He would just say we incorrectly identified this person. But let's read this and we'll go through what's going on and then I'll show you the, the hilarity of this. But what I really want to get to here is, did James O'Keefe really break the law? Did Project Veritas commit a felony? Actually, maybe. Um, but I don't think so. I think James O'Keefe probably knows better. He's probably got great lawyers, like I mentioned. And, and we'll go through this. I'll show you the law. Because like, you got to understand, there, there, is, there are felony eavesdropping laws, like wiretapping and things like that. The Daily Mail reports CNN has reported Project Veritas founder James O'Keefe to police over his latest undercover investigation in which he secretly recorded network president Jeff Zucker's morning conference calls for months O'Keefe, 36 on Tuesday, announced he was releasing audio recordings of several network meetings, which he claims will expose Zucker and other CNN executives expressing their political biases. The calls O'Keefe had been listening to over two months are the network's daily 9 a.m. editorial meeting with senior staff from CNN's main bureaus, which is run by Zucker. Main bureaus. That's the important factor in whether or not this was illegal. We'll get to that. The move by Project Veritas is the latest sting operation orchestrated against the news station by the conservative operative who has long targeted CNN over claims of liberal and anti-Trump bias. Well, if that's the case, good news for James O'Keefe. You've proven it (laughs) with just a couple of uh, video segments. Now, uh, I got to stop there. Just because James O'Keefe released a couple segments where they're very clearly biased against Republicans doesn't mean there aren't other conversations where they're biased against Democrats. I just think it's fair to say, probably not. I've been, look, listen, I used to work for some of these companies. I worked for an ABC News company. It's called Fusion. It's ABC News uh, Univision. And I was, I was in some of these calls. I was in many of these meetings. And I'll tell you, man, they don't care about what's true. Let me, let me give you a quick example. There's a movie that came out, Ghost in the Shell. You remember this one? It's a, it's a popular, very famous anime. And uh, I happen to be a fan to a certain extent. Not a diehard fan, but I like the show. Um, and uh, so this movie's coming out. Scarlett Johansson, a white woman, is playing the main character who's supposed to be, you know, Japanese or whatever. All they cared about was that it was a violation of social justice principle. And when I explained to them the concepts in Ghost in the Shell, like transhumanism and downloading your brain and how this actually makes sense and was a key, you know, could be a key component of the plot. They said, oh, we don't care. We just want to run that narrative. They didn't care. I was sitting in the meeting. and I'm like, I am a fan of this show. The show is about an individual who transfers their mind to another body. It's like a normal thing, a prosthetic body. So this can be a thing. They didn't care. Not to get off on a tangent, but these media companies, when they do editorial meetings, they're not talking about the news. They're not saying, here's the facts people need to know to better understand what's going on. They say, how can we make people angry and drive a narrative and get cash? 
That's typically what it's all about. Oh, they'll deny it. That, that, is, that is absurd. How dare Tim Pool impugn our, our honor and say, yeah, please. I've been in these meetings. I've been at these companies. I've been in the higher, high, higher tier meetings with some of the, with the president, the CEO, with, with many of these people at many of these companies. I know exactly what they talk about. Now they'll try and hide and justify what they do saying, well, you know, Donald Trump is bad and we got to hold him to account. That's what uh, uh, journalists do. It was this emergence. They called it mission driven storytelling where they were like, we got a mission. We're not just here, you know, there's no such thing as objective journalism. That's the name of the game. I'll tell you what's really going on. People like Jeff Zucker have found a way to justify the fact that they just want to drive a narrative. They want to push their their opinions at an editorial level, commanding those uh, uh, below them to make money. I'll tell you the reality. I'll tell you the, the, the gosh darn truth. I mentioned this the other day when I said we're going to be making uh, working out some changes to this channel. I'm, I'm, I might have a way to keep up uh, content, but we'll, we'll see what happens. But anyway, the point is, I was talking about how we always focus on these negative things. You know, you go to you go to my main channel and it's typically like the Democrats are bad. But here's here, here's the thing. I recognize it's a problem. If you go to my channel, and it's all you see. I don't like it. I've never liked it. But it's my honest opinions about what's going on in the news that day that I think are important, that I think people should know about. And my personal bias, as I've said a million times, is I don't like the Democrats. I love quoting Hotep Jesus on this one. Good dude. He was on my IRL podcast. Uh, By the way, subscribe to youtube.com slash Timcast IRL. Anyway, Hotep Jesus said, you know, he he was ragging on the Democrats and I'm laughing because I'm like, I'm there with you. I said, what about Republicans? And he said something to the effect of, I don't know that Republicans are doing anything that I can be, you know, particularly worked up about. And I'm like, I agree. Like they sit on their hands. They do very little right now. So anyway, the, the, the point is I'm an individual. Okay. I'm one guy. I got my opinions. I, I see the news and I'm like, Jeff Zucker going after Veritas. Come on. That's David versus Goliath. Like they're going to send him into law enforcement or whatever, but I'm just one person. I have an honest opinion. When I see news like Bill Barr did a thing, I'm like, oh, man, this is the biggest story. I pick that. It's me. When Jeff Zucker gets on a phone call and tells his whole staff, this is what we're doing. That, to me, is where things get creepy, because Jeff Zucker is a reality TV producer. That was his bit. And so what he's doing is he's he's the money guy. Oh, he'll feign the editorial guy. But he'll get on that phone call and he'll be like, you know, Donald Trump is a bad dude. You know, we got to report on him. Yeah, we're going to do more Trump. Then he's going to turn around, go to the money guys and be like, more Trump segments means more money. You know, CNN used to do a lot of on the ground reporting, even as bad as it was. I was in Ferguson during the riots. CNN was there. Now we actually learned this from Project Veritas. They got under, undercover footage of a guy saying we used to go on the ground. Now it's just panels about Trump. So I don't know how they're going to survive now that the Trump era uh, seems to be closing. We'll, we'll see. You know, Trump actually in, at a party said he's trying to, to get another four years. If not, He'll see you in another four. So it seems like Trump is acknowledging that, you know, we don't know what's going to happen, but he, he could, uh, could potentially run. The point is, when you have massive corporations and you have the money, the, 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 the money guys, uh, the money people, because it could be women. OK, and they're saying this is the kind of stuff that makes us money. We want more of it. And then you say, OK, and you go to your staff and say, write me stories about this. That is, in my opinion, what is destroying everything. Because you'll look, there's a lot of journalists that are leaving. Look, you got Matt Taibbi from Rolling Stone now on Substack. It's like you can write your own thing and people can subscribe to it. Glenn Greenwald quits The Intercept. You got people from The Verge leaving. This guy, Casey Newton, he started he started his own Substack. I believe he did. You got Matthew Iglesias and Ezra Klein. And you know what? My respect to all of them for doing their own thing 
and breaking away from that corporate machine. Because I'll tell you this, these people are going to do better work on their own. They're going to write what they care about. They're going to write how they feel and what they think is important, the same as I do. And I respect that infinitely more than when you work for a progressive company and they say, this is the kind of article that generates traffic. Report that. Anyway, I don't want to rant too much because we got to talk about did Project Veritas break the law? So anyway, Donald Trump says suppression media in response to James O'Keefe. Bravo on the retweet, uh, the quote tweet, Mr. Uh, Mr. O'Keefe. O'Keefe teased the expose on Twitter by sharing a live streamed video of the moment he ambushed Zucker during a phone call, telling him he was planning to make the footage of his rundown public. Mr. Zucker, are you there? Hey, this is James O'Keefe. We've been listening to your CNN calls for basically two months and recording everything. I just wanted to ask you some questions if you have a minute. Do you still feel you're the most trusted name in news? Because I have to say, from what I've been hearing in the, on these phone calls, I don't know about that. We have a lot of recordings that indicate you're not really that independent as a journalist. After a few seconds of silence, Zucker replies, uh, thank you for your comments before quickly scrambling to cut the discussion. So everybody, I think in light of that, we'll set up a new system and we'll be back with you. We'll do the rest of the call later, he said. The video quickly drew thousands of responses, including one from CNN's communication division, which accused O'Keefe of breaking the law. Legal experts say this may be a felony. We referred it to law enforcement, the network said. O'Keefe, however, shrugged off the threat in a tweet mocking the network, saying, our legal experts say Jeff Zucker is just mad and embarrassed. Stay tuned. My friends, do you do you think that James O'Keefe didn't like, OK, let me tell you. I'll tell you what, what I think exactly happened. A whistleblower who works at CNN, disgruntled, angry with the, with the company, says, James, here I have the information for our calls. I would like you to hear them, record them, whatever, giving their consent. James then said, OK, went to a, his legal team of probably many lawyers, and they went through everything with a fine tooth comb and said, you are good to go, buddy. And he went, all right. And then he and then he and then he started recording. So there's a thing called a one party consent, two party consent. There's wiretapping laws. And the question is, did James O'Keefe break the law? Now, there are some pitfalls. OK, let me show you this. Digital media law is a website. They say New York recording law in uh, New York's wiretapping law is a one party consent law. New York makes it a crime to record or eavesdrop on, on an in-person or telephone conversation unless one party to the conversation consents. NY penal law is uh, code 250.00250.05. Thus, if you operate in New York, you may record a conversation or phone call if you are a party to the conversation or you get permission from one party to the conversation in advance. That said, if you intend to record conversations involving people located in more than one state, you should play it safe and get the consent of all parties. That's the important part. I still believe James covered his bases, but... CNN has bureaus all over the place. And here's the real pitfall for Veritas. I don't think it's possible to to know everybody who was on these calls and where they were calling from. You see, there are a lot of there, there are certain states that are two party consent or even all party consent. I, I, I view these as typically the uh, uh, more corrupt states, but there's a good reason why you need all party consent in Illinois. There is if you record someone without their consent, for any reason, they can charge you with felony eavesdropping. I actually have a story about this. About 15 years ago, some security guards at a mall falsely accused me and my brother of shoplifting. We did nothing wrong. And they immediately started just basically beat us up. My brother was on the phone 
calling a friend of ours as we were leaving, and it went to voicemail as they attacked us. Well, it turns out they were in the wrong. The case ended up getting dismissed, but we had evidence they knew we weren't the suspects because the phone fell to the ground and the, it went to voicemail recording everything, recorded everything. And they tried arguing that if we admitted that as evidence, they would have charged us with felony eavesdropping, maybe just a threat. But it was absurd. And our lawyer was like, are you kidding? It was an accidental recording. Now, it doesn't matter. It was a phone call made by him. The recording was initiated and you record my clients, you know, without or, or I'm sorry, you report, recorded these individuals without their consent. That's Illinois. It's a crazy place. Let's say James O'Keefe gets on the CNN call. It's a New York based call. He's also in New York. It's one party consent. Whoever gave him the information consented to it. He's probably good to go. I would imagine his lawyers covered this stuff. But what if, you know, CNN's probably got an office in Chicago. I think that's probably extremely likely, or at least some employees who are in Chicago. What if they're on this phone call as well? Maybe all that really matters is they're not privy to, they're, they're not part of the conversation, you see. It might only be that the people who are talking are covered by this and simply because someone is listening. But if that were the case, then whoever gave O'Keefe the information wouldn't be party to the phone call either or party to the conversation. I think his lawyers covered his bases, but I do think there are potential pitfalls for Veritas. I can only imagine that uh, he's got good lawyers. James has won every defamation case, I believe. Got retract. He's got a wall of retractions. I actually think James knows what he's doing when he goes up against these big dogs because he's been he's he's, he's been around this stuff for a long time, and uh, I, I I think he's got lawyers and he can afford it. This is what James does. He literally does undercover journalism. I couldn't imagine there's a circumstance where he was like, "Oh no, I made this mistake and now I'm going to go to jail." No, I, I I don't believe it. They say. He also doubled down, saying he planned to release clips of the recordings daily, like a December advent calendar. I look forward to this. It is unclear how O'Keefe managed to tap into the conference calls. This is yet another investigation Project Veritas has conducted into CNN. And once again, they've demonstrated their partisan political agenda and total disconnect with journalistic ethics, O'Keefe said in his report. These statements made by high, high up executives at CNN prove that they are simply not interested in being unbiased when reporting the news. That's what we've seen so far to be reasonable. I think there's there's I, I would like to see all of this recorded raw. I, uh, I, I would like to see the raw recordings. I want to hear what they're saying about everybody and anything. James, of course, is going to do what literally any news organization does and make editorial choices. I think that's a normal part of the news process. If James says this is the important information that I care about, well, then my criticism for CNN flows in a similar direction. If James is telling people this is what we want to cover because this is the juicy stuff, then I think we have a problem. But this is what news organizations do for the most part. The question is, is it because you think it's going to be a good thing for this for this country or do you think it's going to be good for your bottom line? Project Veritas is a nonprofit and Project Veritas Action also he's got two different nonprofits. You can argue he's driven by fame and money or whatever. But in the end, all I can really say is that any criticism you would you would levy at him is equally applicable to CNN, in which case the point is moot. So if they're going to come out and say all these things and James is going to expose them, okay, then good. He exposed them. How can you complain about him exposing them when they're doing comparable things? To, to, uh, I think it's, it's, it's uh, important to note CNN is a powerful, massive, you know, a billion dollar corporation of which is probably losing tons of money, but I, but I digress. Project Veritas calling them out is a good thing. 
Um, I think if if there's evidence that James O'Keefe was doing something wrong or was engaging in corrupt behavior, it'd be great if we got that exposed too. But who who watches the Watchmen is the question. If the news organizations claim to be the watchdogs of democracy or whatever, well, we want to expose them when they clearly aren't. And that's what we're getting right now. Now, here's where things get uh, get silly and funny. CNN Communications responds to James O'Keefe saying, James and Tucker, the voice you ID'd tonight as Marcus Mar- uh, Mabry is actually GA resident and CNN general counsel David v- uh, Vigilante. We're, uh, we're certain you'll want to correct the record and apologize to the black executive for assuming he was the voice raising concerns over white supremacy. Tucker's PR says this is a lie. We never ID'd any voice or aired audio recordings of CNN executives. Check out tonight's segment, which is of Marcus Mabry on camera. Facts first, right? And then they link to the video. Now, over at the Daily Beast, this is actually really funny because they have the clip from Tucker Carlson. They don't tell you the truth. And that's the name of the game in the media. And that's what I'm talking about with impropriety. The Daily Beast could be honest to you and say, CNN respond. Let me read it. They say CNN's Pierre account. Meanwhile, responded to Project Veritas. Legal experts say it's a felony. Later, that same account revealed that Mabry was not even the staffer who made the comments. James and Tucker. The other big revelation from Veritas appeared to be that Zucker did not want his staff to normalize Trump's delusional claims about the election. You see, they kind of gloss over it. They have the segment from Tucker, but they don't tell you that after CNN said James and Tucker, that CNN was in fact wrong. And that's why we're not getting that's that's the problem with the current uh, news industry today and why I applaud the efforts of Project Veritas. I think Project Veritas has their biases. I've said it over and over again. They're like any other news organization in certain in certain capacities. They have they have their their view. They have their missions. They have their bias and they do uh, undercover journalism like every other outlet. Well, not really, because very few actually do any journalism. But there was a Channel 4 in the UK investigation, undercover recordings of right wingers, and the left was cheering for it. Now you get James O'Keefe doing the same thing and say, how dare you? Yeah, because he's pointing at you. You don't like it. Calling out these establishment uh, organizations is important, especially when you see how they do this. Tucker called them out. Daily Beast, you should include the fact that Tucker called them out. Now, look, I don't know what's going to happen, but I can tell you. I say that a lot, don't I? James O'Keefe is going to be releasing a lot more recordings on uh, CNN phone calls. I wonder if the reason that CNN brought up GA, a Georgia resident, is because they're trying to make, you know, some point about uh, wiretapping laws or something, perhaps. But one thing's for sure, uh, James O'Keefe is consistently going to be exposing the powers that be. And you know what? As far as I'm concerned, if the left wants to tell me that you're not supposed to punch down. You're supposed to punch up. And that's where the, it's, a, it's about power and privilege and all that. Okay. Well, James O'Keefe is, 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 you know, David and CNN is Goliath. Okay. If he's going to be punching up at this massive multinational billion dollar corporation that is acting in a biased way, that is bad for our democracy, then good for him. Keep doing it. And I'll tell you this. If it ever, if it ever, uh, it emerges that, you know, Project Veritas becomes a multi-billion dollar major media conglomerate, I would expect anyone else to go after them and expose them all the same. For now, we'll just sit back and wait till 7 p.m. tonight, I guess, when James O'Keefe starts releasing more of their 9 a.m. phone calls. And uh, we'll see if the feds get involved. I'll leave it there. I got more segments coming up later. I might actually uh, uh, have segments at 1 p.m. So the other day I mentioned that uh, I'm going to be changing the format around to try and maximize my time so I can expand my business. 
me as the individual reading news all day, every day means that I'm kind of the captain of the ship in this company I'm trying to build. But if all of my time is spent reading the news, I have no time to administrate and expand and bring on new talent, bring on new channels and grow the culture around it. In which case, I've got to find a way to uh, maximize my time. So there, there might be a solution where I think I can still produce uh, several segments, maybe even more throughout the day. But just I'll, 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 I'll put it this way. I usually have to read the news all day and wait to record uh, to record just before publish time to make sure that we have the most relevant. But maybe I just have to record earlier in the day. It won't be the fastest breaking news, but at least I'll still have segments that are relevant within an hour or two. Maybe I'm pushing it, trying to be, you know, breaking, breaking, breaking. So I think I might be able to still produce a lot of segments, which means next segment likely coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. So stick around. Thanks for hanging out. And I will see you all then. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Don't forget. Subscribe to youtube.com slash Timcast IRL. Go there right now. Type into your address bar. YouTube.com slash Timcast IRL. Subscribe. And I will see you all at 1 p.m. on this channel. Donald Trump has announced that he will veto the defense bill unless Section 230 is terminated. And my response is, no, don't do that. Stop. That's a really bad idea. Terminating Section 230 will destroy independent media as we know it. It will be the end of social. Well, actually, it would be the end of Twitter. It's not all bad, huh? It would destroy ev- like the Internet as we know it couldn't function without 230. Now, a lot of people say to me when I bring this up, Tim, Tim, come on. You know, Donald Trump is pulling off a big ask, right? You know what a big ask is, right? You should read the art of the deal. Basically, you ask for more than you really want. So you're in a stronger negotiating position. In this instance, many people are saying what Trump is really doing is saying terminate Section 230 or I'll veto this bill. That way they say, okay, how about we reform 230? And Trump goes, fine, you win. I'm not entirely convinced that's the case, though. The, re- the reason why I'm not sure it's a, it's a big ask or it doesn't matter if it is, is that the, the leftists, the authoritarians, and I'm not saying they're the same thing, but there's an overlap. They want Section 230 terminated. They don't like the internet. You got uh, CNN and MSNBC and these big companies. They don't want competition. So when Trump comes out and says, I want 230 terminated, they go, no, wait, stop, Trump. Oh, no, I guess you win. Getting rid of 230 would mean that my channel couldn't exist. Well, you know, YouTube might create a special provision for people who have already made it past a certain line, but it would be the end of new channels. There would be no new commentary. And this would affect the left and the right and the right probably more. Although leftists, for the most part, you know, like bread tube types on YouTube don't like mainstream media, mainstream media and left have more of an overlap than the right does. So the right really does need to have a space where they can speak and express their ideas because they're not going to make it to the likes of CNN. And what, 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 what networks are there right now? Fox News? Well, there is OAN and now Newsmax, and they're growing in ratings. For the most part, the media is dominated by a leftist narrative, which means if you get rid of 230, which shields companies from uh, liability, if, some, if a user makes a comment, the company would be responsible for everything that anyone says, and they would be sued into oblivion, and then it just wouldn't function. The, long, the, the, the gist of 230 is this. If I tweet something, you can't sue Twitter. You have to sue me because I'm the one who said it. That's a great law. It makes a ton of sense. The problem is these companies are abusing the law. When they're they're granted a provision in Section 230 that says they can moderate in good faith. I say get rid of, uh, you know, clarify the language, 
reform the bill so that legal speech is protected. But there's a simple solution for all of this. If Twitter doesn't like the fact that people might post, you know, like naked women or something, which is legal and protected speech, then they just create a not safe for work category that you can turn on or off. It's really that simple. Look at it this way. Imagine you got someone saying naughty words and posting awful memes and you're like, I don't want to see this. I don't my kids. You just click a little button, click and then not safe for work filter turned on. And then all those posts go away. And the worst thing that could happen is that if you break a rule, they say you're now being flagged as not safe for work. Anyone can still follow you if they choose to. But most people won't see your content. It's really that simple. You turn, turn it on or off. This is what I think minds.com does. If you break a rule, they don't ban you. They don't delete your content. They just put a flag on it and people then have to click. I would like to see this. That's the best solution. The problem is when it comes to 30, people have brought this up. What if I'm like a Christian blog and the goal of my site is to create a space where Christians can talk about their values and family values. And then if you get rid of my ability to moderate content, people can come in and post a whole bunch of really awful stuff and I can't do anything about it. So they do need to be able to moderate, but we need to be able to set certain standards. So it is a very, very difficult question as to how we solve this problem. Right now, what's happening is that the big tech companies have two things going for them. First, they're leftists and they're using this law to ban conservatives for the most part. They also ban anti-war, anti-war progressives. Surprise, surprise. But conservatives get the brunt of it because, you know, they're pro-Trump and the establishment doesn't like them. The other thing they have going for them is that by promoting these leftist activists and pushing this culture, they've got a cancel culture cudgel. So whenever a new upstart arises, Parler, for instance, they unleash the hounds and all these media companies accuse them of all this other total BS to get the company shut down and banned. And that is the biggest problem. But my friends, I believe we have shattered through the veil. Parler is now approaching um, normalcy. You know, they'll try and ban it. And I, I, I definitely we, we got to read the news. I'm going to rant too much, but I got to show you this, man. Some of the most incredible news I have for you is this. EPA Administrator Andrew Wheeler says, starting today, you can find me and the EPA on Parler app. Follow along and join in the celebration as EPA turns 50 today. Parler now has an official government account. Now, maybe there's other official government accounts, but this is exactly what Parler needs. Bravo. I am, I am glad to see it. I'm not saying Parler is the best platform in the world. No, it's just a, a platform with a different rule set that allows people to speak. And that's all that matters. If you are on Twitter and they ban, say, Infowars, well, Infowars is on Parler because so long as they're following the broadcast standard rules Parler has, they're allowed to be here. That's important. Now, the problem here with Parler is that it's, and it's not Parler's problem. It's the problem of social media. So long as they keep segmenting everybody into these, you know, parallel universes, the polarization will only get worse. They say Parler has become an echo chamber. Oh, please. The left has been in an echo chamber much longer than the right has. The right knows the left is thinking. That's a, that's just a fact. I'll give you an example. When uh, there was a hashtag Proud Boys, when the Proud Boys came up during the debates, the left started showing a bunch of photos of uh, homosexual men kissing and hugging and smiling together. And they were like, take that, Proud Boys. The hashtag is ours. And then conservatives started posting pictures of Proud Boys founder Gavin McGinnis making out with Milo Yiannopoulos, clearly not knowing what they were talking about, thinking that the Proud Boys were homophobic. It's like, nah, I had Enrique Tario, the chairman of the Proud Boys on my show. And he's like, we have gay members. We don't care. Like, they don't know what they're talking about. 
So they're the ones in the echo chamber for the most part. They don't pay attention and they still have access. This is the craziest thing about Twitter is that conservatives are on Twitter. They're tweeting things and the left doesn't know what they're talking about. So will it matter if they move to parlor? Probably not. You may have heard that story where uh, the book publisher employees were crying because the publisher, I think it was like, I don't name the company, but they were going to publish Jordan Peterson's book. So all these leftists started crying about it. And I'm like, they didn't even read the book. They don't even know what Jordan Peterson is talking about. Jordan Peterson is controversial in name only. He's a very tepid, moderate, milk toast guy. I can relate. Milk toast fencer over here. Jordan Peterson has strong opinions, but he's a very like, I got to be honest. And I mean, this with, 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 with the utmost respect, tepid. He's not an extremist. He's not far left, far right. He's just a guy who's like, maybe you should take some responsibility, clean up your room before you go do your thing. And it's like, that's like a very typical message of responsibility and not extreme in any capacity. But they cry about it. These people are in a bubble. They have no idea what's going on. But let's let's you know, now that I've ranted quite a bit, let's see what's happening. And if Trump's really going to pull off termination of 230, I really don't think so. Most people don't think so. So it's just it might just be bluster and rhetoric. Fox News says President Trump tweeted late Tuesday that he will veto the National Defense Authorization Act unless Congress repeal Section 230 of the 1996 Communications Decency Act, which critics say unfairly shield social media platforms from liability over items posted on their platforms. These opponents have been vocal that tech behemoths like Twitter and Facebook should no longer be shielded as a neutral platform when they operate more like a publisher. The criticism seemed to reach its tipping point during the Hunter Biden scandal in the weeks prior to the election. Trump tweeted just the other day, Section 230, which is a liability shielding gift from the U.S. to big tech, the only companies in America to have it, corporate welfare, is a serious threat to our national security and election integrity. Our country can never be safe and secure if we allow it to stand. Well, we want it to stand. It just basically means people can comment. That's it. If Twitter starts editorializing. So I put out a tweet, right? And then Twitter puts a message on that tweet. That's a violation, in my opinion, of 230. If I tweet, that's on me. You can come to me for saying it. But if Twitter adds something to my tweet, well, now they've officially published. Now I think they're responsible for the content of this tweet, plain and simple. What they're doing is they're adding tags. This is in dispute and things like this. There's two things here. When Twitter says this is, you know, in dispute or election fraud, these claims of fraud are in dispute. That's a statement of, of, of fact. But to say something is in dispute, you can't really sue them for it. But that is their statement. Twitter said it. You can sue Twitter for what Twitter says. On my tweet, however, it's what I said. I would argue if Twitter takes my individual tweet with one URL and they add words to it, that whole tweet is now published by Twitter because they've added their editorialization to it, in which case they should be responsible for what you say as well in that capacity. They shouldn't be doing this. Reform of 230 is the right move. Fox News goes on to say the New York Post ran an explosive report that purported to show emails from Hunter Biden that linked his father to Ukraine business dealings. A bunch of Republicans came out, called it out, right? This is election interference and we're 19 days out from an election, Cruz said. He's correct. I I completely agree with this. The fact that Twitter shut down this story, there are numerous polls that have come out now showing that if the American people knew about this scandal, there was a slight percentage shift away from Biden, likely enough to have given Donald Trump a hard victory. Trump, who has refused to concede the election 
and as a legal team investigating wide allegations of fraud, has maintained a fraught relationship with these companies. We, uh, so I, I read this already. He says, Trump tweeted, therefore, it is if the very dangerous and unfair Section 230 is not completely terminated as part of the National Defense Authorization Act, I will be forced to unequivocally veto the bill, which when sent to the very beautiful Resolute Desk, take back America now. Thank you. Facebook did not immediately respond to an email from Fox News. Let me tell you what we're looking at here. Maybe Trump just wants an excuse to veto the defense spending bill. How many populists are going to laugh and cheer for that? No, no, I know, I know. Conservatives and right wing populists like the military want them funded. But at the same time, I was reading a great tweet from Matt Taibbi and Glenn, and, and Glenn Greenwald, where they, they talk about when Republicans realize how much money is going to the military and where it's going, about half say, nah, we got to cut that out. Because I think most people, rational people, conservative or otherwise, not the far leftists, will agree having a strong and powerful military is a good, good thing. But when you got you got to look at where that bloat's coming from or, or where that bloat's going, right? Because what happens is someone gets a no, a, a no bid contract. The government says, eh, here's a million dollars to go build a bunch of houses. And they're like, that's Biden Inc. Joe Biden's brother started building houses in Iraq, making millions of dollars conveniently around the time that Joe Biden came into office and was overseeing the military operations in Iraq. It was just a big scheme, in my opinion, to funnel money to their buddies. And yeah, probably a bad idea. I'll tell you this. I think our military is great. I think the Marines are awesome. I think every branch is awesome. Space Force. How cool is that? I love the fact that we have people who are willing to serve this country and sign, you know, their, their several years of their life to the betterment of all of us. But I don't like these excursions into these other countries for what nation building. I think most people don't like that. So I'd love to see good funding for our military. But you know, what I want to see I want to see our military doing infrastructure projects, going and fixing pipes and flints, securing our borders, building roads, not building roads in Afghanistan and Iraq. So anyway, <laughs> you get me going on a foreign policy tangent. The point is, if Trump vetoes the National Defense Authorization Act, I don't know. I mean, I might just laugh and that might be the real excuse because I don't think they're going to terminate 230, but we'll see what's more important to them. Their Section 230 or funding the war machine. I have to go back to what I said early on. The reason why this is dangerous and, 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 and it's a mistake is they want to get rid of 230. Okay. If YouTube give YouTube an excuse to say, oh, no, now we can't allow anybody to speak up. We have to ban all these channels unless you're approved by us. They've already been moving in that direction. Twitter will cease to exist except for all the blue checks. That's right. What, what will happen is Twitter will likely say, if you have a verification, we've cleared you. And then you'll assume like they'll give you a contract about liability or something. For regular people, they'll say, we're not going to risk liability for a random user who just signed up today. Most websites will have some kind of filtration sign up process where you can't post, but there will be some kind of mid-tier social system, social media system where only the certified, verified people of note will be allowed to speak. That means channels like mine would never exist. Well, you know, I yeah, no, absolutely. Because I was live streaming during Occupy, and then I only kind of weaseled my way into that corporate world to get that blue check. You want to know how I got verified on Twitter? I'll tell you the secret. Vice called Twitter and said, verify him. Boom. It was done. That's it. That was it. Maybe they'll take it away from me. I don't know. That was what happened. It was, uh, uh, I was at a party once in San Francisco and they said, most of these journalists, it's like their company will call and say, can we get them verified? There you go. And they'll do it. 
Now, there's a good reason for this, though. It's not, I don't want to say it's nefarious. I'm just saying it's, it's, you know, nepotistic in a sense. But it does make sense. You hear me out. The idea was that journalists who are sharing information who aren't verified, people won't trust it. And so they wanted you to know this person is who they say they are when they put in their bio, they work for this news company. So you can trust what they say. I'll give you an example that affected me and why I ended up getting verified. I was covering a, a criminal trial and a judge issued his verdict. I ran out of the courtroom, pulled up my phone. I tweeted breaking news. Bond said it a million bucks or whatever. And the response I got was, can we get verification on this? We don't know who this person is. Who do they work for? After I got verified, people said, this person's gone through a process. I'm more likely to trust them. I'm not saying it's a good thing all around. I'm just saying that it does help when you're doing journalism because people see that badge as some kind of, well, how do I put it? Twitter's endorsement, I guess we can say, that they vetted you. There's pros and there's cons to it. But anyway, let's read some more. They say the, the Department of Justice sent a letter to Congress in October that advocated for changes to the 25-year-old law that essentially protects these companies from being sued by content posted on their sites. The DOJ's letter, which was addressed to several congressional leaders, read, Today's large online platforms hold tremendous power over the information and views available to the American people. It is therefore critical that, that, that they be honest and transparent with users about how they use that power. Zuckerberg and Dorsey uh, respectively talked about the law in front of the Senate committee in October. Section 230 is the most important law protecting Internet speech. In removing Section 230, we will remove speech from the Internet, Dorsey said during the testimony. Jack Dorsey is correct. There will be no more user reviews. There will be no more, you know, like Amazon book reviews. None of that. These companies will say, we can't allow anyone to post without editorial filtration. And that's where things get creepy. I, I think the internet is good. I think YouTube is a good thing. I think there are problems with it. For all of the things I've complained about with censorship, I always say, but think about this. YouTube might censor people. We have to keep fighting to make sure we can protect speech and allow all ideas to be challenged and, and brought up. But YouTube's an overwhelmingly good for all of us. The fact that I'm allowed to speak as I am, they've never let me do this. When I worked for Fusion, they basically were like, report, you know, social justice or have a nice day. They didn't say it like that. They said, Tim, side with the audience. And I said, I'm going to tell the truth. And they were like, okay, well, do your thing, I guess. If it wasn't for YouTube, I would not be here. You would not hear from me. You'd, you'd get nothing but mainstream leftists, whatever. I don't know what's going to happen. And I say that a million times, but I can tell you there are some good things coming out of potentially getting rid of Section 230. Mansion, Ocasio-Cortez more active on Twitter than anything else. And he's right. You know, one of the problems that we have is that politics is becoming clapback culture war. Ocasio-Cortez, right, I'll tell you this. She has my utmost respect for her ability to uh, her, her, her PR skills as a millennial influencer are, I mean, just the best. I mean, look, you, you, you might want to hear bad things about the, somebody all the time. No, 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 no. Look, you got to recognize this. 10 million followers. She knows how to be a political influencer. She has done such a good job of doing this. And now she's in Congress. But that's the problem. I got no issue with a political influencer who's able to rile people up and clap back at Republicans and do all that stuff. Congratulations. But the fact that she's in Congress is where things get bad. This kind of culture we're building, in, the political culture we're building, where we're going to have people like 
We're going to get Instagram influencers in Congress being like, yo, AOC, she was at his party, right, man? It was so dumb. She was trying to play beer pong and she lost. Why would you vote for that? That's where we're headed. I know, I know I'm exaggerating, but we're literally getting to the point where AOC, like you, you may have seen that, uh, that uh, exchange between her and the head of, uh, uh, of ICE. I think it was ICE where she was like, legal asylees are not committing crime. And then the dude's like section, you know, whatever of the law of entering the country illegally. If you want to be a refugee, you come to the border and you apply. You get these emotional, nonsensical arguments. You get AOC led the charge, getting Amazon booted from New York City. She went down to the protests in the financial district. She led the charge, even though it wasn't in her district, because it was clapped back social media influencer, man. She was going on and saying, yo, what up? Economic populist here. Boom. Get out, Amazon. Cost them 25 to 40,000 jobs. I'm not an Amazon fan. So when she comes out and criticizes Amazon for making massive profits, I completely agree. I think Tucker Carlson did too. Hannity disagreed. I don't like the idea that small businesses are being destroyed. I'm actually a bit of an economic populist as well. And I think it's funny because uh, I think Steve Bannon talks about that. And it's like, I I guess that's the issue with um, the populists in general. It's all about, can we help the working class people and not the establishment elites? They just, the left and the right have a different view of how they get there. I think one of the bigger problems is on the right, you've got people who are like, here's how we get there through hard work, dedication, and a slightly, you know, a freer market. They're not all laissez-faire capitalists. But then you have on the left, Ocasio-Cortez clap back, clap back at the Republican. Mm-mm. That's not going to help us understand and solve these problems. So I think, you know, ultimately what it comes down to is when what we're building right now, what, I, what I'm worried about is that with social media as it stands, we are going to get influencer politics, which is a bad thing, which is why getting rid of Twitter might be a good thing. I joked about it in the beginning, but like, yeah, Twitter's awful. But we need we, we need people to be able to communicate and we need to be able, we need to be able to communicate openly and fairly about all ideas. The problem is Twitter has strict editorial guidelines. I don't believe they should have these protections. I should be allowed to criticize any idea without fear of being banned. If they're going to be shielded from liability, they shouldn't be allowed to editorialize by posting things to my content, which they've done. They shouldn't be allowed to curate, which they do. But they should be allowed to moderate. The problem is they claim this is objectionable and this isn't. Well, that shouldn't be allowed. Moderation should, in my opinion, should specifically be legal or illegal. Yep, I said it. And guess what? If you don't like someone posting pictures of nudity or whatever, block. You have a block button. That's on you. They could potentially do the not safe for work filter thing, but that's the real solution. Hopefully, they don't actually repeal 230. I don't think it's likely because that would destroy all of these companies and the internet as we know it. But uh, I don't know, maybe Trump vetoes the NDAA and then we laugh about it because uh, that's that's a smack in the face to the military industrial complex. I'm not going to complain, right? So uh, I'll take what I can get. I want the military to be funded. I want these guys to get their salaries. That's the big fear I have about vetoing the NDAA. It's the National Defense Authorization Act, so it might result in, you know, service members not getting paid. I'm not entirely sure, but we don't want that. We don't want that. What we don't want is massive waste, bloat, and uh, no-bid contract trash, nation-building garbage. So I'll tell you what, bring it on, Trump. I'll leave it there. Next segment's going to be at 4 p.m. over at YouTube.com slash TimCast. It is a different channel from this one. I'm not kidding. Here's what you do right now. First, hit that like button, share the video, subscribe if you haven't already, but go up to the URL bar, type in. YouTube.com slash TimCast, 
And then as soon as you press enter, boom, new channel, different from this one. I'll be there at 4 p.m. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then.